going on, guys? Another episode here of The End with Adam. Got a special guest, return guest, a uh, good friend of mine, um, Christopher Parham. Christopher is, uh, of course, one of the old actors on my first film. Oh, is this Chris here now? With yes, us? can you hear me? Wonderful. We've got Chris. All right, great, Chris. Um, yeah, I can hear you fine. Actually, this kind of sounds a little bit better than we were doing before. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it is an iPhone 11. Okay. So, you know, living large on unemployment. <laughs> Thank you, Uncle Sam. That's big iPhones. That's big iPhones. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, first of all, how great is living on unemployment right now? It's the greatest thing in the world. Anybody that's oh, still working, yeah. <laughs> Anybody it's, that's still- <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's also it's, nice to get some of that money back. That's how I look at it. Yeah, right. Exactly. It is our money that they're giving us right back to us. So I mean, it's not like yeah, we're no, getting people anything. People that are mad yeah. about it, like, yeah, I'm getting my tax dollars back. Aren't you against taxes? Shouldn't you be on board with this? <laughs> so crazy. So I remember those first arguments. Do you remember those first arguments? Uh, in the very beginning of this whole thing, like uh, where certain uh, senators and, and Republican, you know, lawmakers were like, well, if we give people this money, they won't want to go back to their jobs. And it's like, think about that now. Think like, why have those people not been dragged out of their homes and just shot in the head? Like that was what they were saying during a national pandemic. Like, no, 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 we don't want to pay people too much because we, they need to go back to their jobs and possibly die. So. Oh, by the way, there's no jobs left. Oh, by the way, that company they used to work for doesn't exist. But like, still, we shouldn't be paying them that much money. <laughs> yeah, no, and these people are getting paid like six figures of government money as well. Fucking madness! Madness. I think, I think that's the biggest kicker. Like, I, you know, I don't agree with it, but I would understand if like some trust fund kid who's been told like, you know, hard work makes you wealthy is against mm. things like this. I get that. Right. Yeah. But like yeah. someone is literally getting paid six figures of tax money to work part time jobs in Congress, free health care. And they're like, I don't know, man, if we give you like 200 bucks, it's just going to make you lazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, if you give me six figures, then I only have to work part time. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy what people will actually have arguments about. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that there really shouldn't even be an argument about it. And you can find people it, during the worst possible times, too. That's what I love about a lot of our poly, like political um, conversations. They always seem to happen at a time where the conversation is over, where yeah. something just has to happen. And you'll see this, like, fucking dicing of, of, uh, of logic and, and mincing of words to get to this, to, to tell you in a nice way that they would rather see you die than help you. Like, that's really what they're saying. They're just doing it in the most politically, uh, <laughs> the most politically appropriate well, way they can. Well, to be honest, have, yeah. have you tried working hard? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, it, yeah. Do, you have, do you have bootstraps? <laughs> I want you to grab them right now and just and keep pull pulling. You got to pull them up. If you pull hard enough, it will actually cause your head to go up your own ass. It's crazy. <laughs> I've seen it before. Oh man. So Chris, um, first of all, one of the great things that you do, like, especially when I'm really feeling down, it's almost like you can feel it. Like you can feel that I'm just having a bad day. You'll send me a hilarious. I got a camera in your room, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, there's something you're doing. Also last Thursday, (laughs) I going to need more details about that. I was so confused. Which, what happened last Thursday? Whatever was going on in your room. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, we'll talk about that off air. Um, so anyways, uh, the, the, um, the funny thing about a lot of those memes are really just like, I don't know, like they, they, they're really simplistic. Like I feel like a lot of times when I try to tell somebody something that's funny, I have to explain a a ton of it before, like I have to give people a contextual sample of what I'm talking about. Whereas like with you, you'll send me something and I'll immediately get it and just laugh. Oh, this is great. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to even describe what I'm talking about right now. Uh, one of simplicity. them is not funny, and one is is funny. No, they say that if you if you have to explain the joke, it makes it funnier. Oh, uh, is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I that's kind of one of the things that um I wanted to bring you on for is you do kind of have this very unique, like almost universal sense of humor. You know, some people you're like, yeah, like I can see that that guy would be funny, but I don't particularly like John Mulaney. Like I think John mm-hmm. Mulaney is a great writer, right? But he doesn't have oh, fantastic universal. Writer. Fantastic writer. I don't think he has universally funny appeal, though. Like, he's funny yeah. for a place and a time, right? Yeah. And then there's yeah. a, certain other comedians, I can't think of one at the top of my head, that's just timelessly funny. Like, Dave Chappelle, timelessly funny. Yeah. Like, there is a certain, I don't know, there's, there's a certain special quality to that. I'm curious, how did you get to that kind of level of, you know, just being able to communicate funny so easily, I guess? Uh, trauma. Uh yeah, that seems trauma. to do it for most people, yeah. Um, and, and it's not like a pity party or anything. It's just, you know, we all have trauma. So I'm not going yeah, to be yeah. like, oh, what was me? But yeah, yeah trauma, uh, my family, especially my mother and her side, like comedy is, is just like making fun, making light of like the shitty things going around you. Mm. It's just second nature. And so, like, you know, I also was super short when I was a kid, so I, I would get bullied. Huh. But I would, I would get out of it just by being quick-witted. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of my, you know, I've had people tell me that I should do stand up, but that's not how my humor works. My humor is more, uh, reactionary or like mm-hmm. playing off of something. Yeah. So most yeah. of the funny things, pe- people thought of the funny things I say, it's usually like, uh, you know, a quip back. Like, you know, like you're talking about something. I'm like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, like I'm not like carrying the conversation. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I, um, but I, that also my, comes from improv, just the yes and. Someone does something, and I'm like, all right, so let me step in and throw my thing out there. Totally. And that's kind of what I was saying. It's especially in our last episode, you did talk about, like, you went through the UCB thing. Like, you really did kind of gravitate towards improv. And, how, like, I, at least, when I was first introduced to improv, I was very biased towards it because I came out of a stand-up world. Like mm-hmm. I didn't do stand up, but the only thing that I saw, ah, you're one of those, huh? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, um, <laughs> I, I did, I did do stand up later on, but I, yeah. I mean more just like what I thought of in terms of like stage performance comedy for me, the only thing that I, when I was younger, I mean, the only thing that I thought of as legitimate would be a, one person standing up with one mic and doing yeah. something. That was just my bias. But what I realized is that, um, improv really is this incredibly important component in terms of like, comedic movies or comedic like skits or, or stuff that's like acted out rather than just like a guy doing stand up. So it's so much more versatile than stand up. It can become so many more things. And I think that's mm-hmm. what kind of made me respect it so much. But I mean for you, who are some like or just comedians in general or like improv guys that, that you kind of look at as like, all right, that guy's kind of doing what I would want to be doing. Um I don't know like at the moments. I know like uh I think I kind of gravitated towards things like improv because of sketch comedy. Um, mm. When I was young, uh, what, what's it called? Comedy Central started out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? 
I'm I'm 25. Okay, never mind. Uh, so when I was young, Comedy Central came out in like 1989. Okay, uh, okay, okay. And yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty old. when it came out, it was basically a bunch of British comedy, some Canadian comedy because they hadn't started making their own stuff yet, uh-huh. and it was a whole bunch of things like uh, Comic View and Comic Roundup, where it was little clips of comedians. Right. So I, yeah. I I watched that and I watched. Like, whose line is it anyway? Like, the original British version, uh, Kids in the Hall, like, those kind of things were on. So I, I kind of got gravitated towards, like, mm-hmm. that style. And then, of course, you know, SNL being the oh. main contender. Um, right. But, yeah, and then there was a show that got, really got me into it uh, that came on MTV called The State. Hmm. Have you ever seen that? No. What's that? So it, it's a comedy, a sketch comedy show on MTV that was on there from like 92, 93 to 97. Mm-hmm. And the whole cast is just people you know today, like Thomas Lennon, Michael Showater, Michael Ian Black, David Wayne. Like that whole group oh, okay. yeah, came yeah. from the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just really, really, really funny. And then, of course, Mr. Show took it to the next level. Yeah. Uh, now, I do know that's kind of where I would my history on, in this kind of stuff would begin, would begin with Mr. Show. So I wouldn't know the stuff behind that, but that's interesting. So what, so um, for you, like, was Mr. Show a big deal or was it more the state for you? Uh, I think the state kind of got me into it. And I okay. think Mr. Show was a big deal because, you know, you already knew the two main guys in it because David Cross was mm-hmm. doing comedy and Bob Odenkirk had been writing for years. Like he would, he uh, wrote on SNL years ago. Um, like the, what is it, the Chris Farley character, the motivational speaker, you know, yeah, the band yeah. <laughs> that was written by Bob Odenkirk. That was, oh, that really? That was created by him, and he wrote most uh, of those sketches that shit while so he was on the show. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like Bob Odenkirk's humor. It's kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's like putting an absurd person in the normal world. Kind of yeah. like Always Sunny. That's why I think people are drawn to Always Sunny, because it's like, here's normal things happening, then here's these, like, horrible people that have their their character developments put in that situation instead of creating absurd situations because i mean reality is absurd to a degree not to get philosophical uh i did almost graduate college so i did take a philosophy class or two <laughs> so i i think like um for me Bob but being the, being the absurd person being the clown um essentially like going into the normal world, being the absurdness and having things reflect off of you. And uh, I don't know, in, in a roundabout way, like being the universal liked person kind of because you're a clown, you're, you're safe. Like, oh, it's funny clown. He's not harmful. And you get people to kind of show their real selves. And that's where yeah. the, the fun starts. Kind of like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is amazing yeah. at that. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think... Um, Borat in those movies I would say more Borat I think all the other ones in, honestly his show on HBO was for me the best the best thing he did but Borat was the funniest thing he did if that makes any sense like oh, Borat absolutely. was like wall to wall could not stop laughing whereas the Ali G show was actually just a well produced like not well produced but like just a fu- like a funny serialized show I could watch a bunch of times yeah. whereas like Borat I haven't it doesn't have the most watchability 
in the world, like after you've seen it a few times. But the first time you see it, I'll still say that's probably the funny, at least in theaters. That was the funniest movie I've ever fucking seen. Oh, that was hilarious. The theaters. Theaters. Oh my fucking, the first, like, cause you, especially when it came out, there was not a lot of stuff like that, at least that I'd been exposed to, um, except for Ali G, maybe a few episodes of Ali G. So I kind of got the premise, but Borat just took it to that level where like when they're running through the hallway naked, uh, mm-hmm. trying to fight each other and the people i still don't know if that was staged or if that was real but just like the p the shock on those people's face the way they freaked out was just so fucking funny um yeah no i, I think sasha baron cohen really did something really special with that stuff but what and do he you also think? trained yeah. at, a, at a, a clown school like an, oh, an actual really? clown school in, in france and that's you know just the, it all goes back to the jester the idea of comedy um Truth to power, absurdness. Yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of my thing. Like you gotta, you gotta challenge it. You know, if someone's in the middle of the road waving their dick at you, what do you do? <laughs> you go out there and you wave your dick back at them. Like that's that's the yeah. only way you can compete with that. So when the world is absurd, you have to be more absurd. Right. I think uh, that's a kind of a good segue. Um, what do you think about Eric Andre? I love Eric Andre. Yeah. Uh, I know some people didn't like his last stand-up, but I thought his stand-up was exactly what, like, when I watched it, I was like, this is exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. But it's, it's more of that, like, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be weird. And I'm not saying that's his, been, his mentality in it, but it's just like, I don't need to write jokes. The joke is around me. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and I think, too, like, the thing I, I really... Um, uh, feel coming from Eric Andre where he's just like I want to represent chaos like yeah. if it's funny then it's funny if you find that funny then that's funny but at the end of the day it's more or less just I'm here to, to be the representative for chaos which I, I really um, there's something about that that I find very noble I don't know why yeah um, yeah. it's funny it, 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 it brings the truth out and it's not you know he's not up his own ass no, uh, and yeah. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. Hey, if you're a smart yeah. person doing comedy, like be a smart person doing comedy. We need yeah. those people. So, but you know, sometimes the pretension is just a little, a little too much that you lose the comedy side of it. Completely, man. Completely. And I think today, more than ever, we need people like Eric Andre to remind us that being silly is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's so much emphasis, especially in comedy, about like. I got to make sure not, not the best comics, right. But especially the comics that are kind of filling up the content waves. There is this need to kind of be like, I got to hit all the right buttons while being funny. I got to say all the right things while making a funny point. And Eric Andre is just like, yeah, I don't really have a point. I'm just going to be silly. And this is kind of what everyone should be doing. That this is sort of the point of what we're doing, but like, yeah. I'm just going to be the representative for that sort of purity of just madness. Um, you yeah. Fight madness with madness. Completely. Uh, yeah completely yeah man so i mean uh i guess locally um what have you kind of been seeing on the streets what have the streets been telling you in new orleans stay away Uh, stay away (laughs) uh the city's slowly opening back up we're in like 3.2 is the opening the phase we're in i don't know i think they're just making shit up as they go along (laughs) yeah that sounds like (laughs) 3.2 3.2 that sounds like the new fucking so it's kind of weird i don't know personally i don't know how much arts is being created i know a lot of mm. people are voting apparently the early voting lines are big so that's good i mean we'll see who wins but 
it's good more people are participating. Hopefully they continue to participate in the process. Um, uh, yeah, I hope this is sort of Step one is a... votes. Step two yeah. is start killing people in Washington, <laughs> D.C. But you got to vote first so you can't complain about the people you have to kill. That's then, yeah, like then you just... Exactly. Then you just start kidnapping politicians and their families. But first you got to vote. Um, exactly. But uh, no, I was going to say... Uh, um, I, I kind of felt like New Orleans was reviving because I had a, um, a, a uh, guy who had employed me a while ago, you know, like on movie sets, who hit me up like, hey, we're doing something till mid-December. Um, would you would you am I, like would you mind applying so you can be on like the, you know, on the team? And I was like, uh, dude, I live in Los Angeles now, but I really appreciate that. But I hadn't gotten a text or an email like that in like yeah. almost in like eight months. I was like, man, that's that's not good. Um, cause that, I mean, not to say that I was getting my phone blown up, but just to see that there's no runoff anymore. Cause I was a part of the runoff of people that would just get picked up, you know, if they yeah. just needed to fill a spot, that was kind of a bad sign, but it looked like, cause this guy hit me back. I was like, Oh, it looks like maybe the doors are opening up again. And, and uh, they are, they are filming some things. Uh, I don't know the yeah. projects, uh, but I, you know, driving around, I have seen a few areas where there's you know, trucks and lights and you can, you can, you know, you can tell they're filming. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 I think, and it, uh, was it NCIS is filming and mm-hmm. they never stop. They got yeah. it. <laughs> they'll be filming as that city gets like just completely swallowed up by water. There'll still be a set, a, a little, you know, um, base camp somewhere with an NCIS team. Yeah. They're never going to stop. But yeah. There's some, some larger productions around. I've seen a few places um, or the same one. I'm not sure, but you know, I've got stuck behind some of those trucks before on uh, St. Charles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, uh, that was always a, kind of a comforting thing to see, uh, even on my way out, where I was like, okay, it looks like the film industry is really actually here to stay for the foreseeable future. It doesn't look like they're going to pull out. Um, so I, I'm really happy for that. Uh, yeah, well, luckily the governor did uh, extend the, I guess, tax cuts credits. tax yeah. credits because they, yeah. they disappeared for like three years. Um, and then I think he put them back in. Yeah, they're going to, I mean, that's just such a great cash infusion into that town. That would be, I mean, that would be re- like one of the most <laughs> boneheaded things to do would be to lose that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they at least realized that they can keep an industry in a town. And especially um, a, a town that has a lot of, I mean, actors, film people, creative people. Oh, yeah, tons, tons. And that talent out there has just been getting nurtured by all these productions. Like, there are people, there, there were girls that I knew that, you know, were just kind of like, oh, I'll be a PA, and then they got into makeup, and now they're doing, like, costume design. Yeah. For, like, they're, you know, like, they're getting on major productions, meeting, like, major people, and they started, right, you know, two years ago, doing nothing. So it really is a cool, cool little bubble to be in. I'm, I'm just glad that it's not, that it hasn't popped. You know, that's more what I was saying. Yeah. And you know, hopefully it'll open more once things open back up. Totally, so. man. I, I'm, uh, I'm more interested. Like what, um, what do you think? I know comedy was never really big in new Orleans, which made no sense to me because it had the foot traffic. It just needed a good comedy club. I don't understand why comedy wasn't big in Noah. It's kind of tragic that? that it's not. Um, and I think because there's no, like, big club. There's been, like, little groups. Yeah. There's uh, places that do, like, either open mic or have, like, set lists of, you know, mm-hmm. set comedians. But it just, I think a lot of it is it didn't draw people. And 
you would think in this city it would draw people, but it just it didn't draw a lot of people. And I think, you know, a few people I kind of followed a couple years ago, or I guess mm-hmm. a couple years ago, that were like doing little certain like the good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, took off to L.A. or New York. Like, yeah, they're just like, hey, I want to do this for a living, and I have to leave. I have to go. Yeah. So you know, drain. Yeah. Those places are Chicago, but a place that actually has like a community. Completely, yeah. It, it sucks when a place doesn't nurture like talent. Then there's just always just a brain drain, you know. The talent leaves, yeah. um, and and goes somewhere else, and just exacerbates the problem. Um, but no, I I did stand up twice at uh, Carrollton Station. Great, great place. Oh yeah, um, the, uh, the cool open, open mic. Yeah, cool mm-hmm. open mic. Cool, cool crowd. Everybody there is pretty much there to see somebody doing the open mic. But it's not like. You would expect a New Orleans open mic to be way rowdier. It was not rowdy at all. People were way more respectful of each other and yeah. the format and the time, even though, you know, it's still New Orleans. People are trashed, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I was just like, why is this not a bigger deal? Um, because it's weird because it's like L.A., of course, is connected to Hollywood. So there's at least there used to be a pretty serious comedy scene here. But it wasn't, it didn't, it was still very, like, controlled, you know? Like, New mm-hmm. Orleans has, New Orleans has such a potential to be a place where you could go hop around and see four or five great sets in one night or do four or five great sets in one night, almost like New York in a way. Because yeah. there, there's so many places where people could go up. There's so many stages. There's so many, like, all the infrastructure is there. It's wild that nobody ever fucking pu- pushed that. And, and can- it's Big yeah. time comedians are always here. I mean, I've seen, and and I'm not saying I've seen I've seen some of them perform, you know, mm-hmm. but just like in bars and restaurants, I've seen like uh, Louis C.K. I took a shot with Hannibal Burris. Like, yeah, I've seen Dave David Cross. Like these these people are here. Yeah, but there's no go. place for them to go. There's no, and they're gonna yeah. come here. It's a, it's one of those cities that everyone's gonna visit. Um, and yeah, if they just yeah. built like a good comedy club, like you could get these people in, then you could have local people fill the gap and go from there. And you, <laughs> you exactly. can get a couple of them in the city, yeah. but the city is, it's kind of like with basketball. Like this is a football city and there's a basketball team here and no one's ever there unless they're in the playoffs. Yeah, the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, I remember how easy it used to be to get Pelicans tickets like all the time. People would just say, yo, I have Pelicans tickets if you want those. Like I never went. I don't think I ever saw either either uh, the Pelicans or the um, Saints ever. See the Saints several times. Always a good time. Been to the Pelicans game because they are super cheap. And I think when they went to the playoffs like three years ago, it was like fifty dollars tickets, which was mm. insane. So it was like, yeah, I'll go to that, and it was packed. But it, like during the regular season, it's it's dead. Uh, but yeah, you you think like basketball would do well here? Basketball does well on the school level. People love college basketball here, but damn, yeah, man. I um, New Orleans are, are very weird and fickle about what they like and when they like it. That's true. Um, so, I mean, what's what's next, man? What's going on for post election twenty twenty one? I mean, this year's shot, right? Like this this year's dead. But uh, more next year. What what do you think is going to happen for you, for the city, for for everything, man? Ah, uh, well. We will see when the city fully opens up and, and, and what jobs are saved. I know there's several bars and restaurants that have shut down that are, like, done. Any um, that I would remember? Any that I would know or any big ones? 
Circle Bar shut down last month. Circle Bar, wow. So, yeah, 21 years and they are done. Uh, Mobar announced they were shutting down, uh, which is a restaurant, I think, on Ramparts. Okay. Some others I don't, I don't really go out to yeah. eat much, but I've heard yeah. like several of these places like it shut down or like Dang. or shut down a location. Uh, just not sure when we're going to open. Apparently, our numbers are good, but one thing that's happened several times the last couple of months is that the bars on Bourbon Street just don't give a fuck. They They'll just they open. Want. They'll just open. They bring in tourists who are out in the streets. The city sees this, and instead of punishing them, they hold us back longer under certain phases. That's happened Damn. twice. Like, I guess they opened up for 3.2 last weekend, and there was, mm. because of all the people in the French Quarter, we're going to withhold going to 3.3. Like, so they're punishing everyone because they, they won't go against, like, the, the two mob families that own everything on Bourbon Street. On um, Bourbon Street, yeah. They won't actually deal with the real people who are, yeah, messing with it. That's it's like tourists. They even said once that if anyone was caught on Bourbon Street, they'd revoke their uh, unemployment. It's like, what? First of, first of all, it's mostly people not from the states. Secondly, fuck you. So if yeah. I'm on there and I'm if I'm rich on Bourbon Street, no punishment. But it's if like, I'm, that's, yeah, that's what the fuck that's is that? That's what like my racist uncle would say. This yeah. is coming from the city of New Orleans. <laughs> that's so fucked up. Um, like they didn't do it, but that like that was one of their proposals to fix the situation. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Yeah, man. I think uh, you know. I, I think no place, at least with people that that I know, like no place in this uh, country is really doing this like the best possible way, or like even doing this in a way where it's not just a complete pain in the ass. Like I feel like everywhere is pretty much collectively failing in terms of having real procedures and real forward-thinking methods to put you know us at ease about when we're gonna open back up like nobody has the right answer nobody has the right methods and it's just uh well it's been hijacked by the election and that literally 100 percent everything to the side it pushed uh financial aid to the side it pushed dealing with statistics to the side uh and I'm just, I can't wait for it to be over. I hate election season. Uh, it's mainly, crazy. It's, it's just, so long. Yeah. It's like two years so long, long for the yeah. presidential election. Like We've been hearing about this for way too long. Trump and the whole, both sides of the media talking about him. We've been, I'm so sick of that. I feel like I've overdosed on hearing about one fucking person um, for almost four always, years now. I love how him and his base say that the media hates them and they silence them. I'm like, you're literally all they talk about. You're all they talk. I mean, CNN is responsible yeah. for your election because like hundred percent, I think uh, like in 2016 of all the candidates and I don't mean him and Hillary. I mean, like there was like 40 people running at one point on both sides. Trump got like 80% of media coverage. Every time yeah. he decided to speak, Cameras yeah. were there, but the, but you know he feeds the idea. The media silence is being like, "Nah, dude, if you walk out in the street, like twelve cameras." I mean, right it's there. crazy. It's crazy how much free coverage that this guy gets. He shouldn't even pay any money for his uh, re-election campaign. He should just take well, clips, siphoning that money for himself. Yeah, oh, of course, of course, <laughs> um, of course. You but know, he knows said, how to work the media. There's there's certain presidents that have gained control because of. 
understanding, I guess, the, for lack of a better word, the technology dealt with them. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like when it came to like formal debates, you know, mm, you had presidents mm. that rose because of that. Uh, right. FDR rose to prominence because he understood the radio and he took advantage right. of the radio. Uh, JFK won because that's when TV started happening and he was very attractive. For a president, uh, for sure, yeah. And he just Obama made um, understood yeah. the internet. He understood how to work the internet, and that's how he got he got a large following. Trump, Trump knows social media, and he knows how to work the media. He's been doing it for forty years now, and that's how he like controls just you know his voice on the media. He knows mm-hmm. if he says something, every news station is going to follow it. Yeah, I think he. I think he's doing it better than Obama did in terms of his capture of social media. Um, even yeah. though people liked Obama because he looked cool and and was and was a likable president, hatred is still a motivator. Hatred will still yes. make you look at shit. And I think Trump was able to hijack our hatred um, so much that he was. He's. I mean, he dominates public image. I mean, you can't talk about America without saying something about Donald Trump. I mean, that's insane. Like yeah. that, so, and that's the that's the what the centrist or quote unquote centrist media would uh, media's fault. It's not the the right wing. Nobody fucking nobody cares about Fox except for like sixty year olds and you know weird alt right twenty year olds. Like not even twenty five year olds. Like literally guys that are twenty years old right now. That's like the, you know like the newer right are like super young. They're yeah. like tw- yeah, they're like twenty nineteen year olds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean it's. Uh, it, it, that's kind of what I want for all this to be over with for is just to stop hearing about one dude. Like it, it's, it's fucking crazy. Um, but that's about it. I don't think anything is really going to change. I think the repercussions, I think what happened in these past eight months has set civilization back about 20 years. Um, so I think we're, we're just back in 1980. We should just treat everything like it's 1980. So you want me to go dig up Reagan? Is what you're telling me. Yeah, well, that's who we're going to have after Biden. We're, we're going to bring him back to life yeah. so we can kill him again. Exactly, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a twofer. Mm-hmm. You could totally be John Hinckley. Let's do the movie, actually. Let's actually <laughs> bring him back. Dude, we could, come on. This is it right here. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I, I just, I went through all these phases, right, during this pandemic where I was like, oh, no, like, everything's totally fine. That was at the beginning. I was just like, dude, none of this matters. We'll be back to work in 90 days. Fucking everything will be open again. I was still making plans. I was still buying, you know, buying things. Yeah. And, and then I went through the phase of like, oh, shit, like, you know, things are not good. Um, and then I went through the phase of like, is, is this actually the fall of civilization? And then I got through the phase of like, I'm at peace with this being the fall of civilization. So now I'm just totally apathetic. Now I'm just like, Whatever is going to happen, we're so, we're so close to whatever is going to happen um, mm-hmm. that it doesn't. There's no point in freaking out. You just got to deal with it. Like I heard this comedian. This is such a, a rip from another podcast, but it's so true. And I want to hear what you think about it. But right now, like this point in American history, feels like you know when you tried to let's say you like threw a party at your house or did something you weren't supposed to do when your parents weren't were gone, um, and then they come home. And you hear their car door close and you know they're coming up the steps and you know you can't clean the house in time for them to, to not know. And you just accept it. You're just like, well, I'm about to get caught. Whatever's yeah. going to happen is going to happen. That's, what, that, that's how I feel. Like, you're just like, well, we're caught. 
it's done, you know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I had high hopes at first. Yeah. I thought, like, this is going to bring us all together. We're going to see yeah. what's important. And then, like, come May, I was like, nope, nobody gets it. <laughs> no. Everyone just made, just made people more selfish. And, like, this would be a time to, like, focus on community. Let's build up the working class. Let's see how important, like, uh, you hear essential workers every day. All right, good. Yes, let's take care of these people. I'm like, nope. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, went, I mean, went back to full selfishness, and we can't spend any money now. Uh, and just like I don't, I don't even know how to say it. Like just the cult minds, both both cults, all the cults. Uh, yeah, of just like fighting your side and still overlooking the the bigger picture. Um, you know, like the same people. Like, oh, once we get Trump out, everything's fine. Like. I mean, it's a good thing to get them out, but everything's not fine. Like, it wasn't fine before, but these people believe that, like, it was fine before. Just like people believe it was shitty before, and now it's perfect. Uh, and that even goes against their own reality. Totally. You know, I mean, you got people that are like, oh, best economy in the world, Trump fixed health care, and these people are working three jobs to barely get by, and they have no health insurance. But got to stay on brand. I said Trump is really good at branding. He branded yeah. the shit out of himself for politics. Yeah. I think um I think what's so interesting about uh this particular election, right, is that there if there was ever a call for socialism and or collectivist socialism as in subsidizing the people and not corporations, like just yeah. that 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 simple idea. Not not a fucking full government control, bolt shut like all that stuff. There is already full government control and we're in capitalism. So I don't want to have that that argument with so many people who hear the word socialism. But just subsidizing humans, um it, there's never been a, a a more strong argument and a, and a more clear as day picture as to why that has to happen um, yeah. than right now. And this has really been the time where I've seen people that should be putting policy, like specifically I'm talking about like somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who's the speaker of the house supposed to be a Democrat, who's supposed to be a Democrat. I don't know what she, I don't know who she's fooling. There's nothing democratic about her, but um, somebody like that who should just be like, okay, right now we need to just give people money and they'll hold up the stimulus bill for, for politics. That's when you just Mm -hmm. know, like, that's when you know, you know, there, there really isn't a full conversation being had and we're not actually having real people represent us in any true way. Represent us meaning just people, just regular humans yeah. that exist, not fucking, you know, because I feel like I feel like people can so easily forget no matter how much money they might have or how wealthy their parents are, like if you're not a part of a very specific class of people in this country, you're vulnerable. It doesn't matter. You could be you could be rich. You could be a multimillionaire. But if you're not a part of a very special in group of people, you are vulnerable and you are with the people and you have to think of yourself that way. But I've seen so many, especially like younger people who might be, you know, making a lot of money, you know, in professional corporate, you know, environments start start to act like they're part of the out group. And it's like, nah, man, yeah. you're still, you still work for someone. You still have a job. Yeah. You're that new money. And that's the difference between new money and old money is old 100%. money stays. Yeah. New yeah. money comes and new money can go. Yeah. Uh, and they don't, they don't realize that. One thing that's annoying about politics. It's also annoying about capitalism for me 
is that I find, especially with capitalism and current politics and the way the government runs, half the time I'm critiquing it for its failures and how it shouldn't exist. The other half yeah. the time, especially with capitalism these days, and these, I'm pro-capitalist, is I'm critiquing the fact that like, you aren't even doing capitalism right. Just like this whole politicking thing with Pelosi and the White House, like, you're not even doing politics right. Like, yeah. I don't want politics, but like, if we have it, so do it correctly. Like, make <laughs> deals, get things that you're not even doing yeah. that right. It's all yeah. show. There's no backroom deals anymore. At least shit got done then. Now it's all like, I'm going to clap at crazy? you. I'm going to yeah. tweet at you. I'm going to say this one-liner. I'm going to say it, and that's and that's. Oh, they get on. I'm going to get on one knee and put a fucking kente cloth. I don't need you to do any of that. I just yeah. need the laws to get passed. I don't need anybody to wear any kente cloth. I mean, that was just that for me. I was like that. That showed a very grim, like you're saying. Uh, there's no backroom deals. Like one thing that that I always say to people, like that when I send people like crazy news articles, I always text them like, "No one's driving." Meaning, yeah. like, there's nobody at the wheel anymore. They're used to, mm-hmm. a, as horrifying as what was going on in the 20th century was, at least there was someone at the wheel. There's yeah. actually no one, yeah, there's nobody <laughs> driving this anymore. So I think that is, uh, that. Like, I everyone says is, we're fascists. Like, I mean, I don't want to yeah. be fascist, but at least fascists get shit done. We ain't getting shit done. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I would crave it at this point. Like, hey, I may, I may hate it, but at least shit is happening. But like, no, we're going to dangle yeah. carrots in front of you. We're going to. And, and it sucks because you have these two large bases. Yeah. That just play right into the hands. You know, that see that picture of them kneeling with the Kente cloth. Totally. And be like, oh, my God, they care so much about us. Like, totally. Or what was it in D.C.? They, they painted Black Lives Matter on the streets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God, yes. And like, I think that was cool. I do, personally. Yeah. But I that think, same mayor who did that, yeah. two weeks before she did that, increased the police budget by like $40 million. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I like, think it's like, like you beating the shit out of your wife and then coming home and be like, hey, I bought you flowers. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to hit you tomorrow, but I bought you flowers. Come on, praise <laughs> me. But uh, that, I think like that specific thing with, um, with the uh i i think i think the 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 black lives matter thing is has been so hijacked in so many different ways that mm-hmm. it's like the idea in itself is, is to, it, like i i think it's great that like people have to see that driving to work just a big sign that says black lives matter it's fucking awesome yes but i think like um the 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 conversation is is uh so diluted. that's not covid that's weed <laughs> yeah no, nah, it's all good, man. We're all we're all smoking. We're all everybody. Somebody, everybody listening to this is smoking. I'm smoking right now. You're smoking, so it's fine. Uh, marijuana um, is illegal, sir. What is your name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a cop the whole time. I've been a cop. How crazy is that, dude? I, I one thing that was so crazy about Louisiana, as much of everybody's like, oh, the South, like bad this, and you know how how terrible you know it is. I've never felt more free than I was in New Orleans. I never got yeah. pulled over one motherfucking time. Never one, and I, dude. They're, really? They're never I get pulled one. over all the time in the city. Dude, I drive, I would drive around. You can, you can talk to anybody, and everybody listening to this knows that I'm telling the truth. Everybody who knows me, listen to this, knows I'm telling the truth, and I tell you, I never, for all the crazy antics I was getting into, had a problem with, I actually had the opposite of a problem with a police officer. You want to know what 
Um, the one like long-term interaction I had with a cop in New Orleans was I was, I was at, uh, what's that shit called? Bayou hot wings. Mm-hmm. These two cops were standing in front of me in line in front of me. I had just gotten off a plane. So I still had like my bag and shit. I was like waiting for, to get a, to get a key to the house that I was renting. Um, so I still had a bag and like a piece of my luggage, um, while I was at Bayou hot wings, just waiting to get food. They're like, Hey, you just got off the blah, blah, blah. And they were talking to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm a student, all this and that. And they're like, oh, like, you know, where you, what are you trying to do after you graduate? And I was like, I don't know. I was thinking about, you know, moving somewhere else in the South, like maybe a bigger city. And then one of the cops like, look, listen to me. You need to move to Atlanta right now. And I was like, why? He was like, they're the hottest strippers in the world in Atlanta. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. He's like, nah, fuck what you heard. And he took his phone out and he was showing me on his phone, plain, not a plainclothes cop, by the way. This is a dude with a flag jacket on another dude with a fucking you know full new orleans pd uniform showing me on his phone like him at strip clubs throwing money around with like strippers and being like yo this is the shit that's going on in baltimore or in uh in, in atlanta bro this is what's going on in atlanta and i was like uh yeah bro I, I i feel you um i don't know what to say right i was like actually started to get uncomfortable i was like yeah bro like <laughs> and i and, and then his his fucking uh partner had to come over and was just like yeah, dude, like, let's go. He's like, nah, you got to go to Atlanta. I don't know if he was on something, but he literally freaked out about me having to move to Atlanta. And it was the only time I actually talked to a cop in, in uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Maybe so, that was a sneaky way of getting you to leave. Like, you got to do it. I don't know, the, man. It look was, at these tits and go it, now. It was crazy. No, no, the, 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 <laughs> the dude had to take his, his uh, the, the actual... Um, partner had to take his partner away from me. He was like, no, we got to go. He wasn't telling me I got to go. Well, no, I was, I was, yeah. I was saying like, yeah. I'm trying to get you out of the city by getting you to go to Atlanta. Go now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get out of here. Leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that was, that could have been it. That could have been it. Um, but, uh, That yeah. happened to me once I got lost in a, in a bad neighborhood looking for the yeah. bus. And yeah. like, as I'm walking down, you know, like I'm white as day, got my little backpack on, you know, and like yeah. these, these People kept coming up to me to be like, hey, yeah, man, the bus stop's about three blocks that way. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, everyone's so nice here. I was like, oh, it's getting dark. And they're like, hey, white boy, you need to get the fuck out of here. Go to the bus stop right over there. You need to leave now. <laughs> Seriously, it's time to go. Yeah. They were super nice about it. Like, oh, yeah, the bus stop's right over there. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> you must be looking for the bus stop because you're here. Yeah. No, that's that's. uh I'm trying to think, oh, man, I, I was so sheltered in New Orleans. I never actually was, like, walking around Central City or any of the actual bad areas in Uptown, like, at night, night. I'm thinking maybe I've walked through, maybe Uptown I've walked through some bad parts, but not even the real, like, bad parts. I never really went through any, anything sketchy in New Orleans. It was very bizarre. Yeah. How nothing bad ever happened to me, yeah. Maybe maybe people just thought I was broke. That could have been it because I did <laughs> I did dress pretty wacky and not come. They just my like hair. would walk up and hand you a dollar. Like, yeah, I I think that. Could All right, cool. Possibly, Thanks, man. <laughs> that could definitely be it. I I would I would say, but yeah, dude, we're coming up on an hour uh, right now. Do you, do you want to keep going or were you? Uh, did you want to just? I got no plans. Cool, man. Cool. Well, um, yeah, we can we can keep uh, keep shooting the shit. Uh, so. So who are you voting for? Who am I voting for? I don't vote on national elections. Uh, so that's, that's my thing. I'm voting for well, Kanye. You're voting for Ye? Yeah, if yeah. I had to write somebody in, I'd, I'd, vote for, I'd vote for Ye. 
I will say, if he starts making music like the college dropout, then he's got my vote. Start making that music again, we're down. No, I think, you know, I think Kanye needs to do a lot more just kind of maturing and raising his children and stuff. And then I think he, he would make an amazing uh, uh, addition to the government, but definitely not the president of the United States. But I think he could hold all, uh, some sort of office at some point. Maybe even like HUD. an alderman or something. No, maybe even HUD, like uh, home. What is that shit? The people that have home develop urban housing and urban development. Yeah, housing and urban development. Kanye West, hell yeah. Tell have him like redo all of Chicago. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fucking sick. That'd be dope. Yeah. No, um, and, that, and that goes back yeah. to what we were talking about earlier: is the the performative versus doing things. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I just, mean, just do things, do things, and you got my vote. Like. I think things, uh, fix things, give uh, what do you call it? Ideas. Like I couldn't think of the word ideas. Something I've been thinking of recently that I think is uh, incredibly sad is that we are looking more and more to private individuals like Elon Musk and like uh, a lot of like billionaires uh, that are subsidized by our U.S. government um, to do like infrastructure. Uh, you know revolutions for us and, and, and take us to the moon and Mars and shit. It's like, didn't the government used to do that? Isn't that what we fucking pay taxes for is for the government to help us with infrastructure? Why do we look to these fucking, you know, couple billionaires, these robber barons to now somehow want to feel charitable enough to, uh, to, to do something nice for us. It's like, that's such a sad. Yeah. And the crazy thing is we used to use tax dollars and the government would do these things. Now the government gives those tax dollars to private companies to do some of these things. Um, Like everyone hates government spending unless they're getting it. (laughs) Right. Like how it is. Good point. Good point. You know, I grew up in a a city, like Shreveport's a city, but it's surrounded by like more rural America. You know, a lot of people like contractors, plumbers and things like that. And like, a lot of them conservative and like cut government spending or tax too much. But like when they would get a government bid to do work on a government facility, they jack the prices up. Be like, oh, I'm going to take more tax dollars. It's like so you can take it, but someone else can't. And that's yeah. mo- most people who are against spending are only against spending to people that aren't them. Oh yeah. So of it's course. kind of a weird, a weird stance to have because it's like you're not against spending, you just. You don't want other people to have things, I guess. Well, I think uh, there's there's a very uh, old school, um, and not just old school, but more like fundamental and traditional belief within mainly white America that, like, mainly some like parts of white America where they just believe that America is for them, like specifically for their family and people like their family. Anybody exactly. that's not. And it could be as far into it as you could. Some, some, some of them think just it's for white people. Some people think it's for white Protestants. Some people think it's for, you know, people that aren't Jews. You know, like mm-hmm. you, can go, can, you can go down into that, uh, into that pinhole camera as much as you want. But um, the, the fact still remains, I think that's kind of the, the heart of a lot of conservatism in this country. Like when people are really saying, when people are saying they're conservative, when a lot of people are saying they're conservative, they're saying they're conservative for them and like they, they are for people that aren't like them. Like yeah. if it's somebody like that's what's so hilarious about a lot of um, uh, conservatives. They're like, I donate to tons of charities and I do this and that. It's like, yeah, for the people that you deem to be uh, uh, worthy enough to, to get that kind of help. It's like it shouldn't be up to you. That's the whole point of living in a society is 
you should have to give some amount so that that kind of decision doesn't have to be made by a private citizen. It's not, it shouldn't be up to you who gets what, you know, and the charity system is just kind of fucked in its own rights. Of course. A lot of money goes in there and it's like, it's, it's simpler if we just kind of pool the money together and put it out to certain things and cut out all these, uh, private middlemen organizations that run everything. I mean, even like Medicaid is paid for by the government and taxes, but it's run by private companies. Exactly. Um, it's, uh, it, it, for me is um, more of like the, the thing that we're kind of getting towards, I think is that a lot of the old traditional values don't actually seem to line up with just how reality operates. Like they're becoming less and less, um, they're becoming, they're becoming uh, less and less practical and more idealistic. So as we move away from idealism in general, a lot of this stuff just kind of gets left behind. People are looking for practical, realistic solutions. And I honestly think as things get more uncertain, that might be the thing that extinguishes a lot of this sort of hoarding mentality, a lot of this sort of like, you know, us versus them mentality as people are just forced to have to work together and do things together. Yeah. Um, but, Maybe. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm not hopeful. Uh, because like we talked about, like, yeah. I thought COVID would bring that uh, about, and it just kind of seemed to go the opposite way. Well, I think uh, like, right, like it's, I think we're seeing this like elastic band effect where it was COVID hit us so hard, like so deep that like things are kind of swinging in both right and left directions. And like, as time goes on, we'll start to kind of slow down that, that sort of reverberation, if that makes any sense. And like, mm-hmm. we'll kind of land in a more progressive spot as things begin to kind of ba- or stabilize. But right now we're in this hyper destabilized place. Cause it's like dropping a big boulder in water, you know, like there's so many ripples. Um, and like, there's more, I guess, leftist progressives that are more vocal, but like, yeah, the country has over the past 40 years become pushed so far to the right. Uh, that our our left wing politics would be like right of center in the rest of the world. Uh, are you still there? Yeah, sorry, man. My, oh, okay, um, sorry, I got I got quiet. So I wasn't sure. No, that, it's uh, no, my um. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, uh, audience as well too. I'll probably have to edit that. But uh, no, somebody fucking called me. I hate when I put something very specific in the byline when I order Postmates. Like, mm-hmm. don't fucking call me. Leave it in this particular place. And they just don't read that shit. And they'll just call me. And the dude didn't even use, like, you know, it's supposed to tell you, hey, this is seven minutes away or, hey, this is ten minutes away. He didn't even use that. He just popped up at my door like, hey, I'm here with your order. It's like, use yeah. the app, dude. But anyways, sorry. What were we saying? What were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about, I was, I, was, I was mentioning that, like, in the last four years, American politics have gone so far right Mm. That it, our 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 leftist people would be considered centrists uh, around the world, and totally. the funny thing is, is if you talk to conservatives and right wingers, they would tell you that it's gone so far left. And it's like no, just people exist. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's like, that we're that so people... far left because I saw a gay guy at a store. Like, no, they they've always been here. It's like, what do you mean? Kid just grab a girl and tell her she's beautiful and kiss her on the lips. So because she because she gave me a coffee. Like, what what's the world coming to? Like, there's really people that think this you can't way. Can't punch someone because they look different than me. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's the like, America we, I grew up in. Like, yeah, like, no, that's a good thing. 
It's like, what do you mean? Like, they can just go to Harvard and, like, they can just go there. Like, what do you mean? Like, shouldn't, like, what? There are people that really think that, like, <laughs> that they didn't get affirmative action for 200 years. And it's like, yeah, now we can just go to Harvard. Like, you could just go to Harvard. Remember that? Remember how you could just... <laughs> yeah yeah like so it's crazy i mean there's there's so much that's like i think um america might be the the country that is the worst at tracking its own history i think that might be a part Ooh. of it but and people will tell people will tell you though that it's like oh it's the education system it's like no it's not i think people genuinely don't want to remember like even if you're told the most conservative version of how america was made you still kind of want to start your history after world war ii why does everybody yeah. have that inclination? Why does everybody want to start the history after World War II? There's a reason why, because everything before that is kind of horrifying, even to the most people today. Like, if you just think about it, just think about what was going on. It's not a yeah. world most people, even if you were, unless you're like, unless you're like a fucking, you know, masochistic uh, fucking white supremacist, which I'll say there's probably 400,000 of in this country. There's not that many. Most people, even if you're truly conservative, wouldn't want to live as a plantation owner in the middle of nowhere in fucking yeah. Biloxi, Mississippi. That's not the, the, the history you want to dream up for yourself. You want to be a war hero, have a white picket fence, have a hot wife and a, and a fucking uh, uh, Coca-Cola and a fucking 1950s Cadillac. Like that's, the, that's what most conservatives want. And I think yeah. it's really just because we don't like our own history. I genuinely think that. They, they say that they do, but they are very – like because a French person that truly says they like their history – Right. They have so much more of it to go by, but they also have a, a true antiquity that they can look at. Like there was a time, a renaissance period in this, in, you know, multiple renaissance periods in, in, the, in French history. So it's like they have so much more to go off of. But it's like an American that wants to just be like super nationalistic or whatever. They only are really going to choose 1950. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the golden era. And yeah. they even ignore their own bad history that like even even before the Civil War, like there were a lot of white people living in poverty. Like they didn't face the same things that the slaves did, obviously. Mm -hmm. But like they weren't living on top of the world like they assumed like back in the glory days. Yeah. And no, yeah, just it, kind of ignoring ignoring your own history and also like talk about that stuff like slavery was horrible but like let's look at the fact that like it's gone that's it that's yeah. it <laughs> kind of like when they they misconstrued uh michelle obama's speech mm. you know and Which, I, I, what, wait what, what was the speech that they misconstrued so she made a comment mm. and and her whole speech was about progress and how america is, is moving forward and we're becoming better and better every day and part of that was like you know like i currently live in a house that was made by slaves and her mm. point was that, like, I'm a black woman, and I live in a house mm. that was made by slaves, meaning that not only is slavery over, but mm. I'm the first lady in yeah. a country that 200 years ago I would have been chained in a room. Mm. That's yeah. amazing. That's an amazing progress. And conservatives right. yeah. took that as her complaining about being rich and, like, she doesn't know anything <laughs> about slavery. She's written, it's like, she didn't say she knew anything. She... She made the comment like, hey, look at this huge progress that happened in 100 years or about 150 years where yeah. one, one race was slaves and now members of that race are living in the house that the president lives in. So, you know, yeah. you look at those things like, yeah, the world sucks, but like the shitty thing about the world sucking is that we are progressively getting better. 
that's the shitty thing <laughs> yeah yeah i think like to um there's so there's so much that people forget about when it comes to how quickly america moves in comparison to other part uh, to pretty much every other country in the world like yeah. our level of of how our progressivism can go backwards and forwards not saying that it only goes forward yeah. we can we can go 10 steps back um and then go 15 steps forward we've we can do that um and i think that is something that we don't really recognize or analyze enough like why do we do that how do we capture that momentum and keep it moving forward instead of constantly because america is a very hard country to look at things linearly with you have to really kind of see okay like what part of this of of the american story are we talking about what what happened recently you can't just say we've been moving in one perfect direction certain certain things have gotten much better but there's also things that have been put into the system like if you think about you know even the way that the prison system was created that that did set people back or the um the uh, war on drugs that did set uh, black people back and poor people in, in in marginalized communities back like considerably than they were than than they were like let's say even in the nineteen you know twenties and thirties when there was a great depression there at least wasn't a bunch of heroin everywhere you yeah. know so like there was other things that were were, were bad but they weren't they didn't formulate or they didn't uh, take the kind of uh, uh, they didn't take on the kind of hurt to society that newer things are taking so I think like to look at stuff as sort of just what can we do in this decade to move ourselves forward? Cause we have all of the, you know, the, the brain power and wealth to do it as a nation to really do something progressive. And how can we keep the track of that momentum instead of just letting it be up to the winds of, uh, you know, fucking Pfizer to decide, Oh, you know, we might just let out like a bunch of, you know, uh, Oxycontin and just see how that goes. Like we should be on top of things that could particularly set us back is my point. Well, the main thing of that is is class and then the class yeah. struggle, um, right? Because you know, to your point of you can't look at the country's history as linear is 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 a perfect analogy because you talked about the war on drugs and while that was affecting a lot of uh, black people, people of color, uh, it mainly affected poor people because while black people were being locked up for drugs there were some black people moving up in society they were still facing their own things and i'm sure if any of them got caught with drugs they'd be locked away but Mm. so it's this weird linear thing to where like it's affecting certain people or things are getting worse others are getting better they kind of come back and it's like a weird line kind of going all over the place yeah Uh, where we had a black president so Mm. that's a big thing um but we still you know, people, have racial yeah, discrimination that exists. So it's like we've made these things to where certain people can move up. You know, women can move up and do more things, but they still face rampant sexism. So it's like this weird kind of give and take. Yeah. And a lot, of it fall, a lot of it does fall down to, like, class. Class is a huge issue that people pretend we don't have classes. Uh, now, you, the weird thing about here is you can move up and down in classes, but like, yeah, when you're in certain classes, no matter what you're doing or who you are, you are looked at a certain way. And then if you have something else, you looked at even more. Yeah, no, I think... In uh, a different light. <clears throat> I kind of trailed off there, sorry. No, no, I, I totally feel you, man. But I think, yeah, no, I, I just think like to wrap it up, it's, it's, uh, it's just a complex issue. Like, we can't we can't let politicians and, and especially like 
the media fool us into thinking the thinking that any subject is this linear <clears throat> ABC mm-hmm. story. It's not things, and, and I think that's one of the things that technology is revealing to us is that the concepts that we used to think were so simple are actually much more complicated than we thought, and we have to look at so many more facets facets of things to yeah. get a true story anymore. And and a lot of the true stories that we were telling ourselves throughout the 20th century have actually turned out to be completely fake. And that's, yeah, like the moon landing, the moon's yeah. not even real. Like, what do you people Dude. think about? How can you never, land on something that doesn't exist? And, and the biggest thing is, like, nobody ever talked about the moon until we landed on it. Show me yeah. one thing where we were talking about the moon before it was, like, in the news. If the moon was never. real, we'd be drilling on it. Everybody knows yeah. that. I mean, it's just crazy to me. You know? But I'm sure, like most things, the Vikings got there first. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we'll find we'll, we'll probably find out in like ten years that there really isn't even space. <laughs> like none of that's real either. It's a whole but, Truman Show thing going on. We're in a studio right now. <laughs> we're yeah, we're in studio. City America, right 2020. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, dude. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up. Uh, but this was this is great, dude. Good times, great oldies. Thanks, uh, thanks again for coming on again, everybody. This is. Chris Parm and uh, Chris, you're going to come on again soon uh, for when we do our election countdown. It'll be a couple people on the podcast, so uh, that'll be in November. So we'll talk then. But all right, dude, it was great. All right.